Hey kiddos, welcome to Dad Feelings, the podcast of a fictional father figures. This week, oh, oh man. Um, okay, I'm going to level with you, kiddos. The reason I started this podcast, um, I think maybe if I had to point to like one fictional father figure that has really stuck with me for a really long time, and it's kind of foundational to this entire project, really. It's a character that is portrayed by Anthony Stewart Head in a little TV show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I have been holding off on doing a Giles episode for so long because it's it just demands so much. Like, I just want to put everything that I have into it. And um, I want to find a really good guest, too, because I think a lot of people have a lot to say about Giles. So. I'm kind of working up the nerve to do it. And one of the ways that I did that is by revisiting this movie, Repo, the Genetic Opera, which Anthony Stewart had stars in. I think he may be the biggest build person. I mean, Harris Hilton is also in it. Alexa Vega. I don't know. Man. Oh, man, this is going to be rough. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm going to try and keep my comments about the quality of the film to a minimum. But I am going to have to sort of explain the plot because I'm assuming that a lot of people are not aware of what the hell this movie is. So in order to talk about Anthony Stewart Head as the dad in this movie, I am going to have to explain what Repo! exclamation mark at the disco, the genetic opera is. Okay, so this movie came out in 2008 and um, it's based on like a musical from six years earlier, which is based on like a stage production, like a small, like 20 minute show that these two guys, Darren Smith and Terrence Zdinich have been working on for like ever. And somehow they got some money and basically managed to make a film, like a feature length film of uh, this movie. And the producers of Saw made it somehow. Somehow that happened. Um, So, Anyway, what is Repo? Okay, basically, we're in like the mid-21st century, and there's been some kind of plague of organ failures. So like people's organs just are like, this sucks later, um, and just like conk out. So this company, GeneCo, develops this cure to this problem basically by like I guess they've perfected some way of doing really easy organ transplants. But here's the catch, right? Because it's a dystopia and because they're a corporation, they have a pretty severe, uh, pretty, pretty draconian payment policy. So if you do not pay on time for your organs because like no one can afford them and you, everyone's just like paying them on installment. So... If you can't continue to pay your monthly subscription mailing plan for your organ, then they send out a repo man after you. And, like, I think every time this happens in the movie, they kill the person because they're, like, basically just, like, slashing open their abdomen and pulling out an organ. And it's kind of tough to walk away from that. So there are, like, these legal assassins that will come after you if you don't pay which, like, in itself is not a bad premise. Like, that is not actually, like, I can sort of see that being a thing, right? Like, that is not outside the realm of possibility 
for corporate behavior. So there's that. Um, all of this is introduced by this guy called the Grave Robber, who is played by one of the creators of the movie, which is a thing. He is like very excited the whole time, which is kind of cute. But uh, basically, so there's Geneco, right? It's this big, huge company that's like providing organ transplants for everyone and sending people out to cut their guts open if they don't pay for them. And the head or the CEO of Geneco is named Rati Largo. And he finds out that he has a terminal illness, which is like ironic, right? Because he's like cured all these people and now he's dying of a disease, which is, oh, it's very, very good. The irony. Um, and he has three kids. He has a kid named Luigi, a kid named Pavi, and Amber Sweet, who is played by Paris Hilton. Uh, she changed her name to become a singer. But uh, they're all fighting over who's going to inherit this company. And they're all terrible. Like, he just has these terrible children that he hates. Um, so, like, Amber Sweet is just, like, obsessed with fame and, like, uh, constantly, like, changing her face with surgeries. And uh, uh, Pavi has, like, his face is all messed up, I think. And so he has, like, people's faces, like, attached to his face as like this weird stretched out mask that looks really bizarre um which is another thing that's very strange about this movie because there's this like amalgamation of like every possible different aesthetic that could be seen as cool like it's supposed to be this future where like biomedical technology is super advanced but yet a lot of it is really grungy and dingy and like i guess i kind of get it because they're going with some kind of blade runner aesthetic like the world looks like blade runner if blade runner was an effinescence video that was also a commentary on the decline of empire and like Roman civilization and an opera. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Pavi, Pavi has this face thing. Uh, and Luigi's distinguishing characteristics are loves to stab big stab fan here and always takes off his shirt and uh, can't really sing, which is, hard because this is a musical did i not mention that yet it's a musical so everyone is singing about organs this was it was a good idea to make this um anyway so there's one dad already right roddy largo is like this patriarch who's in charge of this family and uh this corporation and all of his potential inheritors are just like bad they're just not great people and honestly i think he probably shares some of the blame for that just because like he raised them. They don't seem to have, like, a mother. I don't think, like, their mother is ever mentioned. I could be misremembering that, but I don't think she, that character even exists in this film, which is another strange thing. There are basically, six, like, six people in this movie, and no one else exists in this world. But uh, anyway, so he has a plan, which is that he is going to pass his fortune on to this girl named Shiloh, who is the daughter of his ex-fiancé, Marnie. And that name comes up so many times in songs. And I don't know, it's a perfectly fine name. And there's nothing wrong. Like, I don't know if anyone's named Marnie. That's great. It's just not the name that I would necessarily go to if I were writing a musical where that name would come up a lot. It's going to be tough to rhyme with. It's like a weird number of syllables. I don't know. Anyway, so he's like, I'm going to give my fortune to this, this girl, not my like terrible children. 
So basically Shiloh is like trapped in her house. Um, her dad, Nathan, who's played by Anthony Stewart Head, constantly reminds her like, you have this blood condition that you've inherited from your mother, Marnie, and you have to stay inside. You can't go outside. So, but she somehow has a tunnel that like leads from her house to like her mother's tomb. And um, so she runs into that guy, the grave robber. And um, there's this whole other thing, like the side plot kind of with this drug called Zydrate, which Jinko sells. It's like a painkiller. And they some they it's like used for doing surgeries, but like I don't really get it because it's not like I don't know, like no one's heard of like um of just like knocking people unconscious for um like no one's heard of like anesthesia for surgery in this movie. Like they basically just like shoot people up with a ton of morphine. Um so Zydrate, um things about Zydrate you need to know. Um, it comes in a little glass vial, um, a little glass vial, um, and it goes into a gun like a battery and the Zydrate gun gets pressed up against a part of someone's anatomy. And when the gun goes off, it sparks and you're ready for surgery. Okay. So yeah. So he, he steals or he like drains Zydrate from like corpses because there's like an inferior version of it that you can... I guess it accumulates in people's bodies somehow. But anyway, Shiloh runs into this guy and then she gets like caught by these Jinko cops. Um, and uh, like loses consciousness. And um, as she's losing consciousness, she like is like, she's going to be killed because like, I guess grave robbing is like a, a crime punishable by summary execution because Jinko doesn't want people selling Zydrate and, like, taking profit from them. So these cops are, like, going to kill her. And then she sees this repo man show up, and uh, he stops them. And then she wakes up in her bed, and her dad's like, no, you're crazy. Her dad's just, like, hella gaslighting her, like, no, that was a dream. You're crazy. Um, I'm Anthony Stewart Head. I'm your dad. Listen to me, please. And... Then he's, like, he, like, puts her to bed, and he's, like, all tortured about how uh, he basically, at this point, we're led to believe that he killed his wife. Um, she had some kind of, like, illness when she was pregnant, and he tried to create this cure because he's a doctor, and he believes that he killed her with this, like, this cure that he was trying to do. But actually... Roddy poisoned Marnie behind Nathan's back because Marnie left him. And so he wanted to kill her. Um, everyone's motivations in this movie are very strange. So then like what happens after that, this is all in like uh, a <laughs> flashback and all the flashbacks in this movie are presented as like comic panels because I think this came out like a couple of years after Sin City. And it really seems like they were like, Oh, that was cool. Sin City is cool. Right. Let's do that. Let's just do that. Um, so there's these like still panels, um, and you get the story about how, uh, yeah, Roddy killed Marnie and led Nathan to believe that he had done it. And, um, basically Roddy is like blackmails him, like says like, oh, I'll keep you out of jail. Like, I won't tell anyone that you killed her. 
um, if you come work as a repo man for me, which like doesn't really make sense. Um, cause at this point, like Nathan's a doctor, but he doesn't like have like, like assassinations. Like he's not like Batman, but he is Batman, like in the present of the film, basically. And I, I don't really know like why, like, I guess it's like to punish him more. Like Roddy doesn't just want to kill Nathan. Like he wants him to suffer and like making him kill people with his surgical skills rather than heal them. Like maybe that's like a real poetic form of suffering, but like, I think I'm being too generous to this movie because none of this is like stated. So anyway, he, um, there's a scene where uh, <laughs> Anthony Stewart had, has a guy like tied up in his basement after he sung this really sad song about how he misses his wife and how he's doing his best, but like he's fucking up with his daughter, um, which Anthony Stewart had is like a good singer. Like he's one of the only people in this movie who can actually sing. And you get kind of some Giles feelings if you've ever seen Buffy here, because he's like this tortured father figure who is kind of like trying, but like, and has this dark secret within him. Um, like, Giles has all this kind of darkness in him as well in a lot of ways. And, uh, and Nathan is, is trying, but he, um, he is so obsessed with, with not losing his daughter that, um, that he can't let her go. She's like 17 years old and he has basically kept her in her house the whole time. And, and I guess she never goes to school. Like, it's always night in this world. Um, and like, it's a Blade Runner. And, uh, yeah, like, she doesn't go to school. He just, like, keeps her in her room because he's, like, she's, like, his only memento of his dead wife, basically. So, like, not really great father um, lying to his daughter constantly, keeping his secret Batman repo life from her. But, uh, basically, Roddy has that plan, right? So, to get back to that. So, he has this plan, basically. He's, like, my kids are bad. Your kid... Well, he doesn't know anything about her either. Like, there's no reason in the film for him to believe that she is, like, a good person or business person or anything. And it's not really clear whether or not he's just, like, trying to, like, hurt Nathan more by, um, by giving Jinko to her or whether he actually believes that it's, it's good. Um, but anyway, he lures her. He lures Shiloh to this... Okay, so it's called the Gianco First Annual Post-Plague Italian Renaissance Fair. He basically says, like, I have a cure for your blood disease that is keeping you out of the world, and I know you want to go hang out outside with, like, some birds and stuff, cyber birds. Um, so I have a cure for your blood disease. You won't have to keep taking your medicine. Um, you'll be able to, like, go out freely. So come to this thing. And uh, she meets blind mag who is like a singer i guess um she was like marnie's best friend and at some point like like she's blind but a good singer and the movie sets up this a really bizarre like contrast between those two things like they're somehow related in some way um and roddy gives her these like eyes that so she can see but also they have like holographic powers that she can like project her memories 
And then she becomes like a famous singer, but she signed this contract that basically says like she has to work for the company forever or they'll take her eyes, I guess. And like, I, I guess, I don't know. It's very strange, but, um, that's like, that's her conflict anyway. Um, and she wants to leave for some reason. It's never really explained why, but, uh, yeah, she, uh, Roddy says that like Maggie's going to give the last Jinko sponsored performance of her career. And I don't really know why that is. And uh, basically, Roddy's, like, trying to get to, like, groom Shiloh into becoming, like, the heir. Or, like, he's he's trying to gain her trust. Um, and his own kids, again, are still just being, like, terrible shits. Like, Luigi stabs someone. Um, yeah, wow. What is the line that he has? Um, he has a song that he sings. I mean, song is being generous where he says, like, um, I will find a hole and fuck it. If there's not one, I will make one. Luigi, don't take shit from no one. Oh, <laughs> that happens. Um, also all of the like medical staff in this world and many of the guards are like super sexy models, um, wearing weird visors and like really short skirts. Um, and there's like a really gross scene where, where that's happening where you're just like watching this one bleed out. And it's like, that wasn't, did we have to do that? Did we? Um, anyway, uh, the grave robber shows up again for some reason, helps Shiloh escape. And they're kind of like, they run into Amber Sweet and they do this song about Zydrate, which I quoted earlier. And um, all the songs in this movie are call and repeat basically. So if you like that kind of structure, you, you will love the music in this film. Um, but anyway, like basically Shiloh finds out that, uh, they're going to send a repo man to repossess Mag's eyes. And it's like kind of not really clear whether they keep, they keep flip-flopping on whether or not like it'll just suck that she doesn't have eyes or whether she's going to be killed. Um, that's never really, really clear, uh, cleared up. But anyway, um, basically while this is happening, Nathan is out like cutting organs out of people. And like, there's kind of a funny conversation between him and Shiloh where like, they're both lying to each other about like where they are. Cause they're both out of the house. And, uh, he has this guy tied up like upside down and, um, He's like knocked him unconscious and he's about to start cutting open his organs. And then he's like talking to Shiloh on his like Apple watch or whatever. And uh, the guy starts like making some noises and she's like, oh, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's, it's just one of my patients, honey. And she, uh, she's like, is, is he going to make it? And he just like slits his throat and is like, oh, it's looking grim. <laughs> and like Anthony Stewart had, what are you doing? Just like, slitting people's throats like it's not even really clear whether he feels bad about this because the other thing i have not mentioned yet is he has this kind of jekyll and hyde thing going on throughout this whole movie and i don't know whether this was just his idea or whether like the creators wanted him to do it but um whenever so he when he's he's just nathan he is just singing as anthony stewart had and talking as as him like in his normal voice and then he'll dip into evil repo voice where he goes like this. 
And it's like, that was a terrible impression, but it's like very like dark and like, I'm going to like cut someone's eyes out now. Um, and it's kind of cool. He becomes like scary dad. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not really clear whether or not he's like okay with killing like a lot of people basically in service of this corporation. Uh, it's sort of implied that he doesn't love it, but again, no one's motivations really make a lot of sense in this movie. Basically, Roddy is like, uh, hey, Nathan, you have to go take Marnie or Mag's eyes now. And he's like, I can't because she was Marnie's best friend. So Roddy is like mad and he decides now to have Nathan killed. Like it's been 17 years since he originally hated him for like stealing his girlfriend or whatever. And only now is he like, I'm just going to send some guys with guns to to shoot him. Uh, But Nathan is Batman and he just like takes everyone out. Like there's a lot of scenes of him like killing people with a scalpel basically. Uh, Oh yeah. This movie is also super, super gross. Um, I don't know that I, I think I sort of mentioned the scene where he has someone tied up in his basement and after he did the whole song about missing his wife and he does another song where he talks about the work of doing repossessions on organs and he is just like cutting out, like ripping out this guy's intestines while he's still alive and uh, is singing in his like scary dad voice about how it's a thankless job, but somebody's got to do it. And at the end, he's like puppeting the guy's mouth with his hand like inside his thorax. And it's the worst. It's just so bad. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, Roddy is like, Roddy decides that he's going to kill Nathan. He sends guys to kill him. Nathan kills them. And uh, then Mag shows up at Shiloh's house and is like, I'm your godmother. And you have to be better than me or something. Again, not really clear what Mag's motivations are aside from like, she thought that Shiloh was dad because that's what Nathan told her. And uh, she discovers she has this like goddaughter and is like really excited. And then it's just like, you have to be a better person than me. Uh, you have to do good. And then leaves. And then Nathan like comes back and is like, Shiloh, go back to your room. And she sings this song where Joan Jett shows up for some reason. How? Why? Anyway. Uh, Roddy is like, signs his will and says that Shiloh is his sole beneficiary. And then he calls her and is like, come to the opera tonight, come to the genetic opera, because that's what this movie is named after. And wear your mother's burial dress. That's not creepy. So Nathan kills these cops and, uh, that are trying to kill him and um, goes to the opera to look for Shiloh. And... The whole time, oh yeah, Paris Hilton, Amber Sweet is like obsessed with being famous and wants to be like a professional singer. But so she gets on as like an opening act for Mag at the opera, but then her face falls off because that's something that happens, I guess, (laughs) if you get your face chopped off too much. Like there's a scene earlier where like she has like a bad surgery, I guess, and then makes her dad fix it. And uh, I guess she just did too many surgeries. 
her face fell off. And so she's embarrassed and runs off. And then, oof. Okay, so Mag sings in this opera scene. Like, it's the only song in the movie that isn't, like, musical. Like, musical theater. It's, like, actually just operatic. And it goes on for so long. Like, so, so long. And then she's, like, lifted up. It, like, it literally... There are parts of this movie that literally are shot-for-shot remakes of Evanescence music videos. Like, there's a scene where Shiloh is, like, like out her window, like, leaning out her window, like, climbing out. And it's, like, this is just Bring Me to Life. Um, And in this, too, it's, like, the whole movie is kind of blue. And especially in this scene, it's, like, snowing. Mag has, like, super long eyelashes and, like, black eye makeup and is incredibly pale, wearing this, like, corset that's made of feathers. And um, so she's, like, lifted up into the air. And then she's like, oh, you want my eyes, motherfuckers? Well, come take them. And then she, like, says that the Largo family is terrible and gouges out her eyes. And then Roddy takes out a sword that he's just had on him and cuts the cables that are holding her up. And she falls and gets impaled. And then he's like, no, no, this is part of the show when I killed her. That's supposed to happen. So... Roddy is, like, engineering this confrontation between Nathan and Shiloh, basically. He's like, this repo man is coming, and he's going to try and kill you. But if you can trick him, I'll give you the cure for your blood disease. So she sees him arrive. And, like, the repo men always wear these, like, weird bucket masks with, like, goggles on them. So you can't really see who they are. And she hits him in the head with a shovel and then realizes that it's her dad. And they get into this like big fight song and then roddy is like oh guess what shiloh you don't have a blood disease but your dad has been making you sick with the medicine that he makes you take so you have to stay inside because basically nathan is like totally broken from the loss of his wife and like trying to keep his daughter safe and just like keep her for him basically which is pretty creepy and bad but uh she, so Shiloh is like really mad, obviously, as you would be like, you've been lied to your whole life by your father and you've been kept from experiencing the world by your dad, who is just like, couldn't get over the, the death of his mother or of your mother or his wife. And so has like kept you locked in your house. And, um, Roddy is like, okay, well, here's a gun. So, um, why don't you shoot your dear old dad there? Just dumb dirty right now. And uh, if you do, I will make you the head of Geneco. You'll get to be the CEO of this company. That's, that's pretty cool, right? You hate your dad anyway. And she obviously says no. And Roddy just shoots Nathan anyway. So Roddy then, he dies from his mystery illness. And then Nathan dies after like, they sing the song to each other about how, like, they didn't know how much they loved each other. And, like, it's kind of touching in an emotionally manipulative way. But also, like, I think Nathan's problem is in a way that he loved. <laughs> that sounds bad. He loves, he just cares too much. But, like, he loves in a possessive way where, like, he's obsessed. Like, and um, he is, like, transferring his love for his wife onto his daughter and just, like, obsessing over her and, like, her safety and refusing to allow her to, like, live. 
and uh, because he's so scared of loss at this point. And so it's like not re- like the song about how, oh, they didn't know how much they loved each other. Like, it's not really that convincing at this point because like the movie is basically like Nathan is not a good guy. Like he sucks. And there is a tragedy to his whole story of how like he believes that he murdered his wife, but it was actually Roddy. But like they don't actually, I don't think he ever learns that. Like that to me, like this, it would be like a classic tragedy if like he learns that as he's dying or whatever. Or like before it's too late to do anything or after it's too late to do anything about it or whatever. But like, I don't think he ever does. So there's like the character doesn't get any like resolution really. He just dies. And then he does this whole thing of like, oh, you have to be better than me, Shiloh. And everyone, the whole movie is like being like, Shiloh, you're so good. You're the best. And like, she does not do anything in this movie. Uh, She goes where people tell her and sometimes goes off places on her own. But she hits her dad in the head with a shovel. And like, that's basically it. And all these characters have invested so much in her. And I guess that makes sense, like, if you're her dad or whatever. But like, it, it's just weird. Like, she's just this, like, like she sings this song about how, or she talks about how, like, oh, my dad's murderous, my dad's being a murder Batman doesn't mean that I have to be because genetics aren't destiny, which, like, the movie at first was like, it starts off being about like capitalism and like corporate greed and biomedical uh, control. And then like they shoehorn the stuff in about how like, like this really corny stuff about how like biology isn't destiny. That's like, okay. Like, I don't think anyone in the audience was like believing that because your dad became a murder Batman that you were also going to do that. Like, what? And even if they, even if you were, like, it would have just been because he would, had been a jerk to you. And, like, it's very, very strange is what I'm saying. And she basically is like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to do this. I'm leaving. And the grave robber shows up in an epilogue, which, like, is basically, like, you can tell it's a stage performance at this point because, like, he's just, like, one last wink to the audience. Um, he, so, like, Shiloh runs away. Jinko has no legal heir, and then somehow Amber Sweet becomes the new CEO and says she's going to change the repossession policy. That's the end of the movie. That's Repo the Genetic Opera. Oh my god, this movie. But basically, the movie is about, it's a war between two dads, right? It's a war between Roddy Largo and Nathan Wallace, and just the ways that dads kind of fuck each other over but then also like fuck other people up in the process of like carrying out their weird dad vendettas they end up like destroying so many people's lives so like roddy like poisons his his lover who spurned him for nathan and that starts this whole thing of like like a lot of people, a lot of people get killed in this movie. Like they're not, they don't have names necessarily. Although Roddy and Nathan both die. So like all the dads die at the end. Um, but like there are a lot of faceless, faceless goons that like Roddy and Nathan just kill or have killed. Like Roddy doesn't really kill as many people because he doesn't have to. He just has his like sexy goons shoot them because he's a CEO. But a lot of people die because when dads fight, we every everyone loses like no matter who wins we lose and in this situation like actually 
both of the dads lost, which like, I guess is kind of cool. It's like a kind of interesting message about like, like the patriarchy kind of like, just like crumbles on itself in this movie, but like not really through anyone's action. It's just like men fighting each other and then they all kill each other. And then a woman takes over this as the CEO of this company. And then Shiloh just goes away uh, to do something. She has like no passions or interests in the movie aside from like, she sort of likes insects in this early scene. Like she has a book on them and is trying to catch one. That's like her sole characteristic really. So maybe she went off to become an entomologist, a cyber entomologist. Um, but yeah, it's like a war, the war between dads. And um, I just, I don't know. Anthony Stewart had like, I think that he's the main reason I saw this movie. And like when I first saw it, like 10 years ago. And so like when this movie came out, like they, I guess they somehow got money to like make it, but then the studio didn't do like any promotion for them. So they had to do it all themselves. And I saw it at a theater that plays like a lot of smaller things in Toronto that also did Rocky Horror every month. And they were kind of hoping, like the theater and the producers were kind of hoping that this would become like a Rocky Horror sensation where like people would dress up and people would sing the songs. But like, you kind of need good songs for people to sing them. Like there are several points in the movie where like there's an obvious thematic rhyme for a song. And they're just like, no, 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 no. Um, let's go for something that like there's a part in the movie, like there's a there's a song that they could have rhymed parts and hearts. And like they're talking about organs and they just go for something completely different. But anyway. Uh, I don't know, like, why Anthony Stewart had did it, but, like, like maybe he thought it was kind of cool. I guess he was, like, this was 2008, so, like, it would have been a few years after Buffy. I don't know if he was really doing much. I guess, in a way, this movie is, like, the closest thing we'll get to a, repo, or a Ripper show, which is really deeply sad. There was supposed to be, like, a, a spinoff of Giles as Ripper, like, The Adventures of Young Giles when he was called Ripper and like, I guess in a very literal way, this is a movie where Giles is a Ripper. <laughs> it's, it's just called Repo. Um, yeah. So he's a terrible dad. Nathan Wallace is a bad dad. And, um, this is a movie about nothing. It's worth watching the scenes where he sings, I think, and it's worth watching them for the the scary dad voice um, because that is, if nothing else, kind of interesting and, like, alarming um, to see Anthony Stewart had doing that kind of, like, scary, like, demon voice while still just being a guy who's just stabbing people. So... That's Repo the Genetic Opera. Thank you so much for enduring this hell with me. Um, it's been a long and winding road, but we got there. We got through it. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye, kiddos. Is it Dad Feelings is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by Nick Bravo for Stay Mean. Stay Mean is listener-supported. 
If you appreciate the shows we make and want access to bonus episodes and other perks, support us at dadfeelings.com support. Our theme music is Swell Content by Speedy Ortiz off their album, Foil Deer. Thanks to Car Park Records and Sadie Dupuy. Thanks for listening. Be good, kiddos.